In this week's update, has inflation just been hiding? And still the sellers are missing, and commodities finish the week strongly. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is General Advice Only, and please remember to like and subscribe to the video. All right, let's uh, run through some perspective for what's going on in the last uh, week and what we may see in the next few weeks. Certainly, rate cut expectations, which were high uh, for March just a month ago, have all but disappeared pretty much now. So they've been wound back a lot. We had a CPI that came in hotter than expected. And then on Friday night in the States, a PPI, producer price index, came in above expectations as well. So are we going to see a bit of a resurgence in inflation? Look, it's hard to say at this stage because they're only single data points. You need to see what the next month looks like. So I don't think anything in the way of conclusions can be reached just yet. The US market sold off sharply on Wednesday, but then recovered. So there really isn't any sign of panic about these inflation numbers. But we did see a spike in yields on Friday night as the odds of a March rate cut pretty much disappeared. And that's telling you that the US market really at the index level had just run a bit too far too fast with something like 14 out of the last 15 weeks finished higher. This week, it finished mildly down. Uh, we've seen some tech stocks and some other stocks that have made major gainers uh, see some profit-taking emerge. But look, if that hadn't happened, you'd, you'd start to worry that the market was just getting you know, far too overheated. So that's actually a good thing. And there was nothing dramatic in that profit-taking. When a market is priced for perfection, as the US market was, there's really nowhere to go but down. So the odds, which is what I talked about last week, the odds of the market continuing higher as opposed to something pricking the bubble was there. But we'll, you know, we, we just need more data. That's, that's the bottom line. There's not enough data at this point to form an opinion. So is this a, is this a top? Look, I don't know, and I'm not too fussed about it, really. There's certainly no signs of it. If you look at the chart action, you couldn't call it a top at this stage because there was no follow-through to the selling. So I think it would be a real folly to have a definite opinion on this because it, it just gets in your head and it influences your decisions. So you don't really want to worry too much about it. Let's just let market action uh, be the guide. That's, you know, that's the key. And don't be afraid to buy into powerful trends. And I think last week I did show this stock. This is uh, SMCI on a weekly chart. So you can see this was where it looked last week. It had gone from 300 to 740 in just five weeks. This was another roller coaster week. And as you can see, it hit a high of 1077, which is three and a half, 350% again in, in five weeks, which is extraordinary and on massive, massive volumes, unsustainable totally. And so we got this on Friday. Now, the question is, what do you do with this or what can you do with this? Because we've got an extraordinarily powerful trend. It's not just going to suddenly go away. There was a reason why this share price, you know, okay, it got a bit heated at the end, but there was a reason why the share price did what it did. And this massive reversal can set up an opportunity because we've now got, uh, we've now got a powerful trend, 
but we've now got the potential for a reset and then this to go again. So there's definitely money to be made in a stock like this, but the important thing is you've got to have a structured process, whether it's an investment or whether it's a trading opportunity, then you can build a plan around this, a, a lower risk or certainly a plan where your potential upside is far greater than your downside. So, you know, don't ever turn away from trends like this and think that the opportunity has been missed. And I'll certainly be covering this in both Portfolio Analyst and also in the Insiders Club through the week, because now with this massive reversal, this sets up the opportunity for us to take advantage of something of this ilk. Okay, American stocks for the week. S&P ended up a down 0.4. There was all the reasons in the world to fall under just the weight of profit-taking, particularly with big tech. But it didn't happen. Yeah, it got a little bit wobbly, a little bit of profit-taking, but gee, not, not much, pretty, pretty mild. Um, so the question is, is this the start of something that's going to, to snowball to the downside? Um, and we are going to start to see institutional distribution. So the institutions selling to the, the unwary and the uneducated, um, or is just a little bit of a, little bit of a pause, a little bit of a wobble at the moment, you can't really say that it's anything other than a bit of a wobble. That's, you know, that's pretty much it. So there's nothing there that you can point to with any degree of confidence to say that this U.S. market is running out of steam. And, and that's important even if you don't trade the U.S. because what the U.S. is doing sets the tone for the rest of the world. It sets the sentiment. The U.S. dollar index uh, edged up again slightly higher, although it did come back on Friday a little bit, 104.28. The yield spiked higher on Friday night, up to 4.29 on that PPI number, and that had a little bit of an effect. But given how far, how extended big tech stocks are, um, you'd have to say the reaction is, is very, very low at this stage. The VIX lifted a bit from the 12s into the low 14s, and the 10-year, two-year spread didn't do much. So that's pretty much where, um, where the US market is. So let's go in and look at some of those key charts. So we'll start first of all with the, the S&P on a weekly chart. You can see we did, we did see some downside, but it recovered, recovered quite nicely. And if we look at that on a daily, you can see there was the, the big dip on the, the Tuesday with the CPI result, but then immediately, or two things happened. We dip, we dipped sharply but finished well off the lows. So that was the first telltale sign that maybe this, this was a bit of a, just an overreaction on the day. And then a gap higher and a great trading day on Wednesday, pretty much put it to bed that the market was going to react badly to the CPI. And then good follow through on Thursday. And I think without the PPI result coming in higher, we would have set a new, uh, a new all-time record. But the PPI did come in a little bit hot, and so we pulled back just a little. But you've got to look at this trend and say there is nothing in sight there yet. And one week down here, oh, the first week of January, we've had an attempt to get a bit of sell-off 
either we've just gone, but that failed. So it's still looking enormously positive to the upside. All right, let's look at some of the um, the inter intramarket uh, actions and sector uh, sector money flows. Nasdaq versus the S and P came off a little bit, so the Nasdaq did sell down a little relative to the S and P on Friday, but not a lot in it. To be honest, I think the Nasdaq was down just under one percent. This is semiconductors, the all important semiconductors against the S and P, and it's just outperforming like a house on fire. So again, nothing there showing that this is running out of out of gas. And for regular watchers of this uh, particular video, you would know that I place an enormous amount of emphasis on this as a, as a forward indicator of the market direction. And it has been outperforming since October 2022. So that's a long period of outperformance now. We're getting on towards 15, 16 months of, uh, of outperformance. And of late, you say we've got enormous momentum and it's not waning at all. On a sector basis, we did get a bit of selling in, um, in XLC, Communications Services, on Friday. But over the last quarter, not a lot of not a lot of change here. If we look at the last couple of weeks, just get a bit of bit of a sense of it. The week finished very well for commodity uh, commodity stocks, and that'll uh, that'll help in our market uh, on Monday. And our market certainly finished the week well. Commodities had a good session on Friday in our market, so I don't see any reason that won't follow through. So good strength there in America in commodities. Uh, energy has also picked up in the last couple of weeks. Consumer discretionary came off a little bit, but again, that's Amazon, Tesla. And then we've got finance and healthcare. And uh, towards uh, towards the bottom, as you can see, communication services came right off and so did technology. But that's only uh, over the last couple of weeks. And bringing up the rear, which again validates that the market's not too concerned at the moment, is consumer staples. If this market was topping, consumer staples would be up here somewhere. The institutions would be running for the running for the hills. They would be selling out of big tech and they would be grabbing for the defensives and it's just not happening. In our market, over the last quarter, information technology has done really well and particularly in the last week as well. So is finance. Finance had a good uh, a good quarter, followed by healthcare, small caps, and we've got materials and energy bringing up the rear. So that's over the last quarter. Uh, let's just have a look over the last week. And these information technology had an enormously strong week with rebounds in a number of the major long-term wealth compounders. You know, the, the stocks where they're always a, a bit on the expensive side. They're always a bit hard to buy into, but gee, they're, they're great wealth creators. Finance did well over the last week and materials, as you can see, really picked up nicely late in the week. So that's the Australian market. Just one final chart to look at. This is um, the US large cap growth versus large cap value. So again, growth outperforming value very strongly. 
So no change there either. And if we look a little bit further down the line and, and let's look at the Russell 1000 growth. So this is more mid caps, um, growth versus value, the same dynamic. So, you know, people are, are not reaching for the safety of the defensive areas of the market. That's, that's the very clear and unequivocal message. <clears throat> Currencies. We had a big spike in currency on uh, on Tuesday. That was on the um, CPI result and then gave back most of that gain uh, towards the end of the week. The Australian dollar didn't do a lot, slightly higher for the week, but not a lot of difference there. The Aussie market, 64.68 is where we finished. We gained 0.2% across the week. We may see a little bit of weakness on, on Monday. Now, turning to commodities, and I've mentioned this a couple of times of late, and the nickel market is such a disaster zone that we, you know, it was unthinkable that BHP may be contemplating closing Nickel West. But if, if you believe the reports that are coming out, and there's every justification for that, uh, BHP may may make the decision to walk away from nickel, and that would be something of the order of a $4 billion impairment that they would have to take on. And the nickel market has just changed so rapidly from Indonesia being supplying around a quarter of the world's nickel only probably about a year ago. And now it's something like 75%, something like three quarters. It's just been an extraordinarily rapid change. We also saw South 32, which is all of the other commodities that BHP decided they didn't want a few years ago, but still a very good company. And they've now slashed their dividend by 92%. That's how much they're struggling. And they their shares were sold off sharply. So the... The sentiment at the big end of town in Australia is in, in mining is uh, is not too pretty at the moment. But in the non-mining sector, there are stocks that are just going absolute gangbusters, and uh, and you know we've we've had a terrific time in the last six to twelve months off the back of those stocks, and they continue with earnings season now well progressed in Australia. Those stocks have superb outlooks for years to come. They're quality compounders and um, there's, you can do extremely well from, from these stocks. As I said earlier, they're not that easy to buy because they're never cheap. But if you've got the courage and the guidance to, um, you know, to, to pick them after some selling, then you can do extremely well from those sort of stocks. Infotech was the big weekly winner, as I said. But certainly materials finished very well. And I'll have a bit more to say to that when we get to the comments on lithium. But we saw strength in gold stocks. We saw strength in copper. We saw certainly saw some strength in nickel, in lithium. And even a bit in rare earths as well. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a combined show of strength on Friday in the Australian market. And I'm not quite sure what to make of it at this stage. It's still in the category of not enough, not enough data at this stage to draw a conclusion, but it was, it was encouraging 
on a preliminary basis. Question is, was it just short covering that's transient and it'll disappear or was it a bottom? Is it the real deal of, of we just, of the selling gone too far in commodities? Precious metals, gold was down $11 to 2014. It was a pretty sharp sell-off after the CPI report and then a recovery. In Aussie dollars, pretty close to 3100 is where gold finished, so still quite profitable. Looking at GDXJ, there's still nothing globally happening. The index has, has really just becalmed, doing nothing. But there are a few green shoots locally to finish, uh, finish the week. Let's look at some charts. Um, just have a quick peek at the ASX 200. So we've got a breakout. This is a weekly chart. We got a breakout, but no follow through. But certainly a bit of a recovery at the end of the week. Now, if we turn to just on Bitcoin, Bitcoin for anyone who's interested, we've moved pretty quickly from forty thousand on the twenty third of January, and we closed the week at fifty two thousand. So Bitcoin definitely on the move and and some great volumes there as well for those interested in that. This is gold on a daily sell-off Tuesday night and then uh, recovery. Um, and it, the, the hot PPI on Friday night didn't seem to worry gold too much, and that's it on a weekly chart, but still not really giving us anything of interest there at this stage. Turning to other commodities, copper edged up to uh, 382. Nickel, uh, I'm not sure if I updated that price, to be honest, so apologies for that. Um, looking at nickel fundamentally, there's no question for everyone, everyone else except Indonesians around the world, nickel is in a structural crisis and the price fall continues to be well and truly justified. But the local industry in Australia is at a significant cost disadvantage against the Indonesians that have now basically almost overnight uh, taken over the global supply. And it's not just a matter of, of us nipping up a bit here and a bit there. We're at a significant cost disadvantage. And there is talk in the media, of course, the politicians are all jumping up and, you know, pushing their chests out and saying that there's going to be royalty relief or they're going to provide access to loans. But is that going to change the commercial reality? I, I can't see that giving nickel development companies access to loans. Sure, royalty relief might do a little bit for existing producers at the margin, but will access to, um, to loans allow developers to get their projects up and change the commercial reality? Because all that's going to happen is they're going to come to market and they're not going to be cross-competitive. So what's the point? And I, I can't see that, you know, unless it's the government, I cannot see that lenders are going to be lending against the current nickel price situation, the same as lenders have been running for cover in lithium. They've just They've pulled the rug from under the funding of lithium projects. So you just want to be careful what you believe in the press of late. I don't think that is going to change things much for, uh, for nickel. 
So long-term structural change, and it's, and it's real, and it's very significant. Now, copper, though, is a bit of a different story. There are supply-side issues in a number of areas of the world, and we, it's quite likely that we could see copper much higher by the end of 2024, and, of course, much, much higher a few years after that. So there really is, um, there's some supply side issues that are not going to be easily and quickly overcome. The, the amount of inventory, copper inventory in the warehouses is down to just a couple of days. So it's not going to take very much to, um, you know, to disrupt that, uh, that equilibrium. Crude oil, uh, did shoot higher to, uh, 79.22. So a good week for crude oil. Turning now to other commodities, just a few comments on lithium. Lithium market, halfway through last week, the bad news was just deafening. Everywhere you looked, it was just, you know, bad news and falling share prices, and it looked an absolute disaster. But if you step back and look at the fundamentals over the longer term, it's not hard to find some of the world's biggest and best companies still making unquestionable long-term commitment to lithium. West Farmers has continued with their major investments in Mount Holland, and they're also pursuing a joint venture with, uh, with Aurobanda looking for lithium as well. So they're not pulling back on their enthusiasm for, for lithium over the longer term. And then, of course, you've got all the other companies and wealthy individuals that are making a very significant um, commitment to the lithium market. You know, lithium mightn't pick up significantly this year, but over the longer term, and that's what the markets will start pricing in soon, there's still an enormous commitment of money to that development of that sector. So lithium may not be a short-term turnaround, but we did see a big rally on Friday. Now, the question is, was that just some short covering, some short-term short covering, where there was some comments made by Albemarle that along the lines of the current price is completely unsustainable, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that was just enough to, to scare a few of the shorts. And then that set up a bit of a short covering reversal. So is it that, or is it a major bottom? Um, I don't know. It's too early to say, but let's just have a look at, at a few charts. So we'll start with A or B. So you can see Thursday, nice turnaround. Okay, closed off its highs, but look at the volume. And then Friday, nice follow through. And if we look at the Australian market on Friday, just as one example, this is uh, PLS, which is you know, our, our biggest and best pure play lithium stocks. You could look at other stocks like mineral resources or IGO, but they're not pure play lithium stocks. So if you want to get an idea of, of um, just lithium, then this is not a bad move. But again, could you say with confidence that this is a turn, that this is a bottom? Pretty hard to at this stage, but it's certainly worth watching. Because from a contrarian point of view, as I said right at the start of that last slide, the new, the bad news had become deafening. It's the sort of contrarian environment that could be marking a bottom 
for lithium. So one to watch. Oh, that was the other thing that ALB said that they expected it. Uh, EV demand is going to be up by 30% in 2024. And with prices as low as they are, the supply response is not going to be there. You know, this, this calculation that the various investment banks are making, just totaling up all of the development pipelines and saying it's going to come to market, it's just not going to happen. At the current pricing, it's not going to happen. So we could tip if the if the EV demand is up 30% in 2024, we could tip into a supply deficit a lot quicker than some people are projecting. The lithium market is still quite immature. We tipped into a supply surplus far quicker than anyone could have possibly imagined. You know, when spodumene was trading at eight eight thousand dollars a ton, and there were forecasts at three and a half thousand that seemed too far too low. As it turned out, they were extremely generous, and we're now down to eight hundred. I think anyone in their wildest dreams would have foreseen eight thousand down to eight hundred in less than a year. And it's likely that that's an overshoot on the downside as well. So we could tip back into deficit quite quickly. So keep an eye on lithium. Just an update on uranium. A really interesting point, unlike just about any other commodity, when prices go up and up and up, a couple of things happen. Either people's buyers pull back or substitutes get found. But in the case of uranium, the demand is very resilient to high prices because the cost of uranium for a nuclear power plant is tiny. It's so tiny, it almost doesn't matter. So whether the price is 50, 100 or 150 doesn't really matter that much. Supply, supply security is far more important to a nuclear power station than the price of uranium. So if the demand is there, there's no telling how high the prices of uh, uranium may go. So just remember that. Don't think that if uranium shoots up to 130 or 150, that it's going to disrupt demand because it won't. We've got growing demand. You know, that's, that's a fact. With this, that many new reactors being built around the world and, and new ones being committed to, that growing demand is virtually assured. Yet we've got significant supply issues and risks in Niger, in Kazakhstan, in Canada. So again, the move into structural deficit could move a lot faster uh, than what we've seen today. Now, uranium will always be a volatile sector. It's just the nature of the commodity. But if you've got if you've got a good risk management plan and you're very clear about your entries and what you're doing with these stocks, then that fixes most things and you can negotiate a volatile sector and get good outcomes with, without, uh, without the sort of risk that I think a lot of people might imagine. So that, so that fixes most things, but buying on tips and rumors... And does not, and it never ceases to amaze me. And someone asked this question last week, you know, a great video, but can you give us some tips? 
And I, if I, you know, can impress one thing, it's just forget about trying to get tips from someone. You've got to get a, a well-defined, repeatable process. Thinking that a tip is is going to advance your cause is it's just not the way to go. It really isn't. There's a crude oil chart. Quite a nice move from seventy over the last the last month and a half back almost to 80. Wrapping it up, I'm just going to repeat what I said last week because I couldn't come up with anything that was more appropriate after the week that we've just had. I think we we just need to hose down any expectations that we had over the next couple of months. The US market might just continue, but it's it's pushing the boundaries. The The odds the odds of downside have increased and the odds of more upside have decreased. It's not to say that the trend finishes, but if, you know, all we've got is probability. We don't, we never have certainties. We never have known knowns. So it's all about probabilities and we're stretching the rubber band at the moment. So just hose down your expectations a little bit for the next couple of months. There's such a divergence in the trends of stocks. It, it's, it's as extreme as I've ever seen. So forget about what the indices are doing because that's just not going to tell you what's happening. Find the most justifiable stocks, the stocks that there is good reasons why they should go up and continue to go up. Try and buy them on a bit of short-term weakness if you can, but look, don't be afraid to, um, to, pay, to pay up and buy into a stronger trend. And manage risk well. If you focus on managing risk, then, uh, you know, that's, that's effort well spent. The pathway forward for me is just so extraordinarily clear. I, I, uh, I just feel extremely confident about FY24. Portfolio analyst last week, we looked at managing the US market post the CPI result which was quite appropriate because that came in on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, and we did that in the Wednesday session of Portfolio Analyst. We also looked at how to get the most benefit from the next phase. Now, we haven't had the correction yet, but at some point we'll, we'll get a correction and that will set up for the next phase. We looked at lithium. We also looked at some cryptocurrency alternatives as well. So all that in Portfolio Analyst, and uh, I've got some good things lined up for this week coming. That's it for this edition, um, and probably no video next Sunday as, as I uh, may be traveling. So I'll be uh, probably back with you the week after that. Stay well, hope the market treats you well, and I'll be back with you soon. Cheers.